Welcome to Bossy, Brilliant, and Badass, a weekly conversation about business, careers, and personal development designed to inspire, educate, and motivate you, and sometimes ourselves, to show up powerfully, live fearlessly, and to find and unleash your inner badass. I'm Lisa Lindsay. I'm Liz Green. Welcome to the show. To another episode of Bossy, Brilliant, and Badass. I'm Lisa Lindsay here with my inventive co-host, Liz Green. Hey, Liz. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I like that because I honestly, I think I'm an inventor at heart. You probably I are. always take something and I, I change it. I, I love it. Like I, I love inventing. <laughs> so I'm really excited about um, our next guest who talks about all this cool stuff. But before we introduce him and tell, tell everybody what this is all about, I believe you have a question for me. I always have a question for you. <laughs> All right. So this is, this is interesting and it's a little, it's a little off topic probably from what is in our episode, but it's something that I've been thinking about, right? Because a couple of episodes that we've done recently recorded recently, because these don't always come out in order or whatever, but we recorded a couple of things and there has been a theme of thinking about what we want, right? Like asking ourselves the questions of what do I want? And I was wondering, is that selfish to do? Mm, great question. I think it really depends on the context, right? Because if it's kind of like, I want to have an affair, <laughs> that might that might be selfish. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but if it is something, you know, I really want this for my life and this is part of living my authentic life, then it absolutely is not selfish, at least from my perspective, because if I'm not doing what in my life, what I want, what I'm, what I'm really, uh, you know, inspired to do, then I'm not going to be living a happy life. And on top of it, people around me, loved ones, I mean, if you're living a happy life, it does, it comes off. Right. And I feel Mm -hmm. like other people, especially our loved ones, family members, friends, what have you, you know, we're just better to be around. Who wants to be around that nasty, unhappy person who's always grumpy and isn't doing what they want? And, yeah. you know, so I think it, everybody wins in that situation. But I love that question. What about you? Yeah. So, you know, so what got me thinking about it is, 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 so I grew up in the Caribbean, right? Where um, this focus on self is not really what we do, not in this way, not in the way that we do it in America. And I think about other cultures like Eastern cultures where it's more a collectivist culture versus this individualistic culture. And, um, you know, this idea that I need to be happy so that all of us are happy is sort of turned on its head because really what we do is we do for others and it's family oriented and it's outward and not so much inward. Right. Mm. And there's a lot of conflict I believe even when I started to in therapy, uh, it was a question I always asked. Isn't that selfish though? <laughs> right? Mm, Isn't right. it selfish though? Isn't that selfish? Shouldn't I be thinking da, 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 da? And it took me a really long time to get to the place of understanding that if I'm good and I'm doing the things that I want to do and I am aligned and centered and all that stuff, then I am better able to serve the people around me and better able to really help others. And like you said, not be that grumpy, miserable person. Um, so it's really about how we turn a language on top, uh, 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 turn a language around in mm-hmm. order to make sure that it's understood in that way. Because yeah, I struggled with what I believed was really selfish behavior to be so focused on yourself. And that's because of how I grew up as in the Caribbean where it's, it's supposed to be a little bit more collectivist. So yeah. <laughs> that's what spurred that the question. Too. Yeah. Cause I have a lot of clients who, who do struggle with that, you know, in different you know, different cultures and the, the, the burdens and the legacy kind of burdens that we do carry. And there is, you know, especially if you're, you grew up like that, that you are going to be carrying some guilt around that. So it's Correct. really, so I, I really like that question. It really is great. You know, can a lot of women get that particularly women who have kids, 
kids at yes. home and they want to start their own business and they want to, you know, be an entrepreneur and there could be a lot of judgment around that. Right. So 100%. great question. 100%. Great question. I know it's a little off topic, but that's okay. We could, we yeah. can get back into ideas and invention, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, today our guest is Alex Trainer, and his company is called productified.com and he's an inventor turned entrepreneur and he has get this 15 patents isn't that crazy that's a lot and <laughs> yeah it's amazing and he's inspired now to help other entrepreneurs through different uh, various methods so go check him out go check out his website yeah and you know right before we we bring him on we just let's just tell you really quickly we're going to be talking a little bit about how we do some market research and also how we find our customer because I think that's something um that we don't always know how to do we think we know and it sometimes helps to have sometimes a little bit more of a structured approach to finding something like that so let's bring him on Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So we're talking a little bit about market research, which is something we hadn't really done on the show before. Um, this is a very, very practical topic for those of us who are building businesses. And um, I think even for those of us who may already have built businesses, maybe it's something we can do right now. Um, so we're talking a little bit about market research, and then we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive on finding your customer, figuring out who your customer is. All right. So Let's just start. What even is market research? Well, so uh, market research to begin with is applicable on whether you have a product idea or a service idea for to any business idea. Mm -hmm. So as you guys know, entrepreneurship requires significant investment of your time and money and your effort and your, your so market research is a tool to spare your heart down the road, right? To save your money and your time. You want to know if your idea actually is a solution to a real problem and if, if people will pay for it. That's kind of a nutshell. All right. Basically, we want to do the market research because we want to save ourselves the time, energy, and effort, right? Make sure what we're doing is something that people want. So where do we start? How do we start? Uh, let's say you're saying we can do this whether we have a product or a service business. So why don't we figure out where do we start if we have a product business and where do we start if we have a service business? Uh, you know, I think that to, to make it easier for everybody, we're just going to do the same and pretend that, business, you know, product and service is about the same thing, which it is, right? So uh, market research, you can split it into two steps. One is called the secondary market research, and I will explain what it is, and then the primary market research, and you start with the secondary. So the, the idea of a secondary market research, you just go online pretty much. And the, the, codes, the reason it's called secondary is because you're basically using existing information. That's been either uh, uh, compiled by somebody else. For example, you come up with, uh, you know, you find an, uh, some paper that describes your market or, or somebody already did some survey and you basically just can find the results of the survey online. Or you just go on Google. So let's start with the Google here, right? So you just go on Google and you try, try to come up with the simplest description of your product as fewer words as possible, right? You punch a few words, and then you you, you use Google has this um, this auto complete uh, or, or whatever it's called auto complete function, mm -hmm. which basically shows you what other people in your area search for. And so slowly but surely you start uh, so you, you start typing different variants until you you pretty much see that some similar products or services uh, uh, start emerging on Google, right? And and you can say, oh, but my idea is so unique. There's nothing like it. Well, <laughs> you, you don't live on Mars. Is, right? <laughs> it Probably usually is, true. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You, you'll find something similar. So once you start finding something similar, you want to uh, start to uh, tuning in and, and refining your, what do we call a key phrase. And I'm going to give you a couple of great um, uh, resources for that. One is called SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush. S-E-M stands for search engine marketing. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a great, great website. Unfortunately, it's too expensive. They pivoted now to, to serve businesses. But I, if I'm not mistaken, they still have some short uh, trial, which is free, so you can start there. Or there's a less expensive uh, you know, website similar to SEMrush called keywordrevealer.com. 
mm-hmm. right? Keyword developer. So the idea is you go there, you, you type your, your key phrase that you, you, you finally kind of tuned uh, uh, based on your Google searches. And it will give you the whole list of similar key phrases that people mostly uh, search on Google, not just in your area, but everywhere in the U.S., for instance, if you're based in New York, or maybe you're interested in worldwide or Europe or whatever, whatever ge- geographical area it is. And that will give you a, a list of key phrases if you just continue looking for searching. Yeah. So what happens, though, if you know you have a product that is relatively unique, right? And, and say so you go on SEMrush or elsewhere, and you discover like, oh, well, the search is, there's not much here. There's like eight people that have searched this, you know, key phrase because it is unique. Is that still okay if you have a really unique product? Because what if it's, you know, you know, five million, but then obviously you start your company and sure, uh, it's common and everybody loves it. But at that point, you're also kind of like one of you know, five or six million that are doing that very same thing. What are your thoughts around that? So Liz, it's a great, great question. So here it goes. If So there are basically more than one variable, whether or not you have similar products. There are two variables, whether or not people have a problem that such product or service would solve and whether or not people are looking for a solution for that problem. So if nobody is looking for a solution to a problem that you are trying to solve, Maybe you should do, go and do something else. <laughs> no disrespect <laughs> to you personally. But if you're finding that you cannot find a similar products in a category, but you can clearly see that people are searching for a solution, oh, then you're absolutely onto something. Did I answer yeah. your question? Yeah. Okay. So we see that, wow, people are searching for this. We discover that this is something that is is kind of popular. I'm onto something and maybe I have a unique spin on it or what have you. What do we do next? So now it's time for us to go and talk to our potential customers, right? And that's, it's called primary market research because you're talking to your, your primary customers. So here is a, there's a whole a spread of questions. How many customers should you talk to? Where do you find them? And what, what, how do you manage those conversations? How do they make them commit to talk to you? Okay, right? so how many customers do we talk to? <laughs> All right. So let's start with how many customers. So, uh, you know, there are three types of, of, of businesses and services in the world based on the B2C, like the, the consumer products or services. Uh, then there are B2B, which is, you know, uh, oriented to businesses and enterprise. So we're going to leave enterprise aside. That's too complicated for this conversation. We're going to focus on consumer versus business. So if you're talking about consumers, uh, you typically should talk to more people, I would say 30 to 50, somewhere there, right? But uh, there's a good rule uh, is you, you keep talking to them until you see a strong pattern emerges. If you see that every single customer says, describe the idea in similar words or, or basically have, oh, sorry, describe their problem and, and have very similar problem, then there's no point to go even probably beyond even a dozen. It's a little more than enough, right? Mm-hmm. But just, you know, realistically, we consumers are flaky. We will, you know, we're all different personalities. Right, we do different things, and therefore, uh, as a rule of thumb, you need to talk to more. But when it comes to businesses, usually businesses, no matter if your personality as a business owner, you know, you, you have a kind of a business problem, and these business problems are more similar. And so, I would say that it, it is much easier to interview business owners only if you get, you know, if you can get them to talk to you because they're so busy. And usually, again, it's until a pattern emerges, but it could be like as little as a half a dozen to a dozen people. Ah, so just a- interesting. So you're basically saying we we ought to be if we're hearing the same thing over and over, right? Again, from you talk to six people and they're saying the same thing the same way. That that's a good indication that yes, this is something that's probably necessary and needed. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Well, so maybe we jumped ahead a little bit in terms of uh, how many people to talk to. It's sort of like, well, what am I asking them? <laughs> Well, so before deciding what you're asking them, you ask yourself, what are my goals, right? So, so your goals is, are to, to do what is called problem uh, discovery, right? Basically, mm-hmm. start asking them, them to describe their problem and see, of course, in specific area that you're trying to solve, right? And, and, and understand their problem. 
then ask them about their ideal solution. We will go into this in, in a minute. And then uh, then pitch to them your solution and see what they think about it. Right? Can I pause you just, just to help you me? You can pause me anytime. <laughs> just You're to help welcome. me. <laughs> just to help me. I feel like it always helps me that it's not as so abstract, right? So maybe if we talk about something a little bit specific. So uh, is, is this an opportunity for us to maybe pick up uh, problem and solution that we probably want to talk about. So let's say, oh, I don't know, a podcast <laughs> that caters to to female entrepreneurs, right? Um, how do we, let's say that that's the solution I have and that's what I want to pitch, right? Um, how do we go about doing the problem discovery in that case, like with this kind of specific solution that we're thinking about? Well, so let's say in your case, you're looking for advertisers who may or may not be interested in your target, uh, in, your, in your listeners, right? Sure. To advertise with you. So, um, I mean, that is, I mean, unfortunately, this is not as, as you know, dry. As big of a problem. It's pretty standard standard thing to do, no, right? No, I know. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, all I'm after here is a little bit less abstract because sometimes it can well, get confusing yeah. when we're talking in such abstract terms about something like this. Well, but in, in your case, you would uh, compile a list of advertisers, who, you know, with whatever set of criteria, right? They may be interested in catering to your audiences. And let's say it could be somebody who, you know, already sells to women and, and they want to advertise to, to women entrepreneurs for whatever reason, right? Or they actually have, you know, very, very uh, male-biased uh, customer base and they want to uh, basically to, to balance, balance out a little bit with your audience, whatever that is. And you need to reach out to them and, and basically pitch your solution, right? And say, hey, you know, we have this and this, here are our statistics. And, uh, you know, what do you think? Would you be interested in advertising with us? Uh, then you would, uh, of course, they would ask you, like, how much does it cost? What's, what's the size of your, I mean, you can say, hey, you know, we have that many listeners, you know, we have that many uh, website uh, visits, you know, that many repeat visitors on a weekly or on a, on a monthly basis, you know. Um, this are the uh, this is demographics of our listeners, you know, this is where they live, you know, and so on and so forth. And then, like, how can you come up with uh, how do you come up with pricing? Of course, you want to just find out similar, uh, you know, podcasts sim somewhat similar to yours and find out how the much they're charging. And I would say, you know, you, it wouldn't be beneath you as an entrepreneur to pretend to be as somebody else and call them and say, hey guys, you know, we're interested in advertising with you, you know, how much they charge. <laughs> or maybe they already have this information. You actually like, recommend that. You don't think that there's something unethical. There's no ethical that? issue here whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's look, people do it all the time. You're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is a hustler, right? You're not breaking any laws. You're not cheating or anything like that. It's it's an absolute legitimate practice if people do, do it all the time. I would say that before pretending to be something else, somebody else, you can actually reach out to the owner of the business and say, hey, you know, I'm your fe fellow business owner, and, yeah. you know, would you... Would you would you become my advisor, maybe or mentor? And if they disagree, yes. then you have to pretend to be somebody else. So th there are ways to do it. But yeah, I'm just start saying. Start off you know, with reaching out to the owner because people absolutely. do like to help. I've noticed that people love to help and be the expert. So I love that advice. Yeah, that's super cool. Now we've decided we're going to talk to you about six people, six thirty to fifty people. You said originally, but we're listening consumers. to hear. Yeah, when we're talking about consumers. So listening to hear what these people are saying to us and whether there is, in fact, a problem to be solved there. And then you said the next step was what? So, okay, so let's, let's take it in steps. I'm going to, like, take it from the top, right? So what we need to do, we need to do a preparation for the interviews. We need to find these people to agree to, to talk to us. And then we need to conduct the interview. And at the end, we need to analyze the results. Four things, okay. right? Okay. okay, so preparation, uh, you basically prepare your sales pitch because at some point in the, during the interview, you will be pitching your product to them. Right. So you need to become a sales expert. How do, you, how, do you, how do you pitch? Well, one, it needs to be concise, right? Two, it needs to have uh, three or, or two components of a sales pitch. Benefits, motivators, reasons to believe. I will explain everything in a second. Okay, mm -hmm. so the key is never pitch your product on features, always on benefits. Let's say that I've come up with a great idea of a of a waterproof sweatshirt, right? So the feature of, of my of my sweatshirt it's coated with two layers of silicone. That's why it's mm -hmm. waterproof. Mm -hmm. Who cares? 
Right. But the benefit is, hey, Liz, you, you, you look so fit. You probably run, you know, under New York uh, uh, rain, every weather, you know, you, you probably run on the streets. So my sweatshirt will keep you both warm and dry for at least two hours guaranteed. That's a benefit. Okay. Right. Let's forget about the motivators. You, you got, your listeners can look them up on, the, uh, uh, you know, what are the motivators for people to buy? You can put it in or not. And then you also you also add uh, what people call uh, what professionals uh, call reasons to believe. What is the reasons to why, why would they believe you? So one you can say you know what if you if you get wet in my t-shirt, your money back guaranteed anytime. That's a that's a reason to believe. We can say because it's coated with two layers of silicon. That's although it's a feature, but it's also a reason to believe. Or we can say our t-shirts have been tested by an independent third-party lab. And it's been proved and, and stamped by them. So that's also a reason to believe. So that's how you prepare your sales pitch. Again, you go back to your idea. You don't have a product yet. You only have a product or a, or a service idea. You prepare a pitch. And the pitch usually is like a pyramid. It's You start with a short sentence, right? Uh, uh, you, you pause at the end. You let it sink in for people to digest. You pause for a few seconds. And then you, you, you deliver your second or third sentence or, or two, two more sentences. And then you pause there and you say, like, do you have any questions? What are your thoughts? So that's a sales pitch in preparation. Second is, how do we line up our customers? So let's start with, uh, with if you have a, a, an idea for a, that solves problem for a business owners, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For businesses. So here I would recommend hands down LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a key tool, right? So on LinkedIn, there are a couple of things. One is uh, you have to basically create a kind of a profile of of a customer, right? So that's not hard for you, right? You know what kind of businesses you're trying to to reach out to. And maybe within those businesses, if it's a small business, that would would be a business owner. But if it's a larger business, maybe it will be a COO, you know, chief operating officer, or maybe uh, an IT person, somebody who's in charge of of the, you know, the uh, IT department or stuff like that, right? So you've identified those people, you, you, you search for them on LinkedIn, so now you have a hit list of, I don't know, a thousand people or thousands, right. right? Of course, then you can narrow them by, by, by geography and, and even gender, if you'd like, although that wouldn't make sense to me. So then you can say, okay, so for my first connections, you know, on LinkedIn, you, you can actually send them messages, right? To my second connection, connections, if you don't have a premium LinkedIn profile, you cannot send them messages. So you have basically two options here. You can, you can sign up for a premium profile, which is not inexpensive on LinkedIn. I think it's about 60 or like 59.99 a month. A first month is free. So you can see if it's even working for you, right? Uh, but then premium LinkedIn profile allows you to send messages to your second connections. Also, you can sign up for sales navigator. It's a bit more expensive. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, 90 bucks a month. Also first, first month free. But those tools would allow you to reach out to a significant number of people. And you now need to, to, to do this uh, craft messages, right? And your approach here, don't be pushy. Don't be overwhelming from the first. Send a message, say, hey, you know, I've noticed you and such and such. You know, I am uh, building something for a business. Would you be open to helping? Wait, so before we go any further down this road, I'm just curious. Is this us finding actual customers to buy? Or is this us finding customers who we're going to ask whether, you know, we're doing this market research customer discovery? Is this market market research. Yeah, market is research. this the same approach that we're using? Because I'm starting to sound like, oh, it sounds like I'm selling to them. <laughs> um, and it didn't seem to me like we were there yet. Yeah, yeah. So you're selling to them something that you don't have yet. So that's that's basically this is how you look for people uh, uh, for for the interviews. But of course, you know, in the future, there's no reason They're for them not to become your customer. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's two in one. Right. Yep. So that's LinkedIn. So now we can leave LinkedIn alone, right, and go to to do how we do with consumers, right? So with consumers, I say always start with your friends and family. That's easy, right? You can reach out to them. You can pick up a phone. I mean, people still do this, I think, right? I'm not sure. But <laughs> you can message do, them, whatever. We do, we do pick up the phone and do something with it. All right. So in any case, so so that's so you start from that, um, and then of course you have your your social connections. And when so when I say friends, I mean the friends that you uh, you know beyond Facebook friends, right? Or beyond beyond social media friends. Mm-hmm. And then you you can basically expand it to your social connections, and there's no reason not to include LinkedIn. 
right? Because people on LinkedIn are, you know, they're professionals, but they're all humans too, right? And they're consumers too. And then you, you kind of write them, again, a, a personal message. Try to write a personal message. If you're using an automation tool, uh, make sure that, that you include uh, their name, right? That it feels like work. Personal message means not, not only calling them by name, but also maybe, you know, dropping some some intimate detail of your relationship that only you you two know, right? Hey, remember like last week I bumped into you at Starbucks, for example? You know, that would be nice, mm-hmm. right? That that would keep like super personal. And then right. basically you, you just ask him for, say, hey, I'm, you know, can you do me a favor? I, I have this incredible idea. I just like love to run it by you. Well, it won't take you long. And then, you know, and so, so you, you basically walk down this path. And if you see that you're experiencing difficulties, then uh, maybe start thinking about something. Like people don't get it or they're not reacting well to it. Then. Yeah, if you get along, oh, yeah, like, huh? What's that? Oh, I've never, nah. And maybe if everyone's well, saying that, maybe it's time to move on, right? No, but people will talk to you for sure. Yeah, I can guarantee you. So, Liz, you said yourself, right, that people love to be mentors. Remember when we said reach out to your competitor? Right, you say, hey, you know, you 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 would have this amazing opportunity to to directly contribute to to the path of my company. How cool is that? I mean, you yeah. can always come up with something that would be inspirational to people. Absolutely. And you know, everybody likes likes to be listened to, except maybe for a few politicians that already. Anyways, I'm not going to go there. But, <laughs> right. So if you just reach out genuinely, and you know, and, you know, people love to give advice, right, on a exactly. product or whatever. They, it's like they love it. There's a couple of Facebook groups that I'm a part of, some female entrepreneur Facebook groups, and I just love it when people post, "Hey, do you like? What do you think about this idea or this logo? Or I'm starting this company, and I'm wondering, do you, what do you guys?" And those always get the most comments and feedback. Well, how about because people love to chime in. So I think that's a great idea to really use social media to your advantage in this way. Yeah. And then, of course, last resort, and we actually talked with Lisa about it a little bit, you know, pre-COVID, right? That uh, Starbucks was a cool place. You just walk in and you, you know, you go to a really busy Starbucks where there's a line, right? And you just start talking to somebody. And ask them, hey, you know, like, would you talk to me? I'm just looking for this. I mean, are you by any chance? And 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 before you know, you spend a couple hours on Starbucks, and, and you can end up talking to you know to a, a handful of people easily. Right? Absolutely. So that's, all right. And, and so, that's such a great random sample of people as well, because yeah. all kinds walk into Starbucks, right? And you never know who those people are going to be. And that, to me, I like when we talked about it in the pre-chat. I like that idea because I was thinking, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, you never know who's that, who that's going to be. And you're really going to get great feedback if those people are willing to talk to you um, because yeah. they're going to be coming from or, all or walks of life. <laughs> I, I am down with back the bar too. The Any place we can get a drink. <laughs> right. I remember back in the old days when I first came up with my, um, my idea for my company, Bar Candy, and I eventually got two patents on it. Um, I approached, I was managing a nightclub here in New York and I approached one of the bartenders who was like, Liz, you know, I can't wait to see the prototype for your chocolate glass. You know, when are you going to bring it in? Oh yeah, next week. And finally I'd come up with this prototype. I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to just freak out and gather around. So I showed this guy my prototype and he was like, he started laughing. (laughs) He was like, what the hell is that? And I thought, wait, you don't like it? He was like, no, that is just terrible. And everybody's like, no, that's not very good. And I thought it was like the best thing ever. So I had to go back to, you know, product kitchen and revamp. And of course I have, you know, what, what now is a a great product. Um, But yeah, I just remember him just laughing in my face and going, okay, well, that wasn't really what I was expecting, but thank Mm -hmm. you for your honesty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but that's, I think that that's the whole point of what you're saying, right? Alex is like getting the, ideas and opinions of other people who are going to tell you whether you have a valid idea or something that people would want or not. And that's the point of trying to track down your customer in this way and talking to them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's the next step? So the next step we said you prepare for the interviews, right? So so you already have your sales pitch, which you put aside. So a few things to to keep in mind. One is you got, you got to take notes. And if you have a co-founder or somebody, a friend or family member who will come with you, you know, you can have them take notes. 
specifically, best is to record the interview, right? Because because you want to pay attention not only to what people say, but but how they say it, meaning their body language and their emotions. Mm-hmm. And as you guys well aware, you know, it's it's been like a, a pretty broadly publicized that uh, you know majority of our communication is nonverbal, yeah. right? So you know when somebody rolls eyes. <laughs> or laugh without saying or laugh, yeah, <laughs> right. So what what I would recommend is this: if you do your interviews remotely via Zoom, like we're doing right now, you just ask them a, a permission to record. You always ask, a, a, you know, keep the, keep in mind this rule: if in doubt, always ask permission. So ask a permission to record, right? And then when you do it in person, a video might get in the way. Uh, of course, video is still better, but maybe just on audio again, you, you ask them for permission. All right, and then basically you start. So, so now we are ready to go and talk about the interviews. Are we ready? Yeah, let's let let's talk about how we do that. Yeah. All right. So so basically, uh, you know, there are kind of four phases of the interview. One is kind of the introductory phase. Then we do what we call a problem discovery or problem centric portion of the interview. The third one is a solution centric, and the last, of course, is a conclusion. So let's start with introductions. Of course, it's easy. You briefly introduce yourself. You do it as briefly as possible, right? People don't like listening to other people. They like talking about themselves. You want to thank the person again, you know, emphasize, thank you so much for making the time to meeting with me today. It's really important to me, right? And one thing to keep in mind, you don't mention your your solution. You don't mention your idea, right? You want to avoid uh, biasing them in any way. Okay. Then, uh, so one of the things that you want to do is, if you can do it before the interview, it's fantastic. If not, you do it now. It's called to qualify your customer, meaning ask a qualifying question. Like, do you like chocolate? That's a qualifying question for you that would have been with, right? I mean, if people don't like chocolate, I think that, you know, it probably would be a waste of time for you to talk to them, right? You're right. So that's an example. And I know, Lisa, you like examples, and I cater to you both, not only to your listeners, so I need to be very careful here, so I'm Using we like to think we represent our listeners. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that was as, as as simple as that. You just ask a qualifying question to make sure that you know you, this is a, this is the actual person who cares about something, right? And then you ask them to introduce themselves, and you do it for a couple of reasons. One is it, it creates a great chemistry, you know, because you 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 basically ask people about them, you know, you're paying attention to them, you listen attentively. Nothing beats that. And second is you really want to understand who they are. And you can nudge them during their answer, you know, to what you're interested in. Like, for example, if you're interested in their demographics, I would not ask people their age, right? But, like, for example, like, what do you do for a living? Or, you know, where do you live? Or, you know, how long have you been at that job? Or, or whatever. Or, you know, how long have, you know, how long ago you started that business? And stuff like that. Okay? So these were simple things. So now we're going to go into the meat of it. And we call it a problem discovery, right? So basically, once you've asked them a qualifying question, you can ask them, hey, as a chocolate lover, do you find that all current chocolate products are like overwhelmingly sweet? Liz, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling it out of my <laughs> thin hair here, but you know, but but you know what I mean by that, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so you basically come up with an open-ended, broad kind of question and you let them talk. I mean, you guys are interviewers. You know how to do it, right? You never ask people questions. They, they only answer yes or no, unless you're a police right. But, you know, you just open. And so you let them talk, and then you add this why. You know, there's like a, there's a method of five whys. But basically, put, it, put yourself ahead of a doctor, right? So doctors, like if a, if a patient comes to, to a cardiologist and say, I have a chest pain. So chest pain is a symptom of something, right? It's not a root cause. So you want to get to a root cause. So and then if you if you ask why and why do you think of that and in different variations, you will get to a root cause. And it turns out that this person you know eats too much red meat and has clogged arteries, right, or high cholesterol or whatever. But that may be the root cause. So if you if you're trying to solve a you know if your solution will address just a symptom, sometimes it would work too. You know there are plenty of great products that just treat symptoms, by the way, don't get me wrong, right? You just need to make this choice consciously. But if there is an underlying root cause, you might be better off thinking of both at least, right? Maybe you can you can hit the root cause and a symptom combined. 
right? So that was kind of a problem discovery. You let them talk, you you uh, you know, you ask follow up questions until they're basically exhausted talking about this, right? Mm-hmm. And you start always as a as a gym or owner, as a chocolate lover, you know, as a podcaster. So that was a problem discovery, and you take a, a accurate notes, and then you go into this small phase of, of validation of problem validation. Basically, you paraphrase back to them in your own words what you understood from their mumbling. Some people are not as eloquent as you are, right? And they will go on and on and on and on, and you lose them. But you need to keep kind of a mental bullet point list in your head, right? Always go to the to the interviews with a shotgun and load it with bullet points. I'm just kidding, but this is a way to, to remember, right? And create oh create God. in your head a short bullet point list of things that you want to paraphrase back to them. Once you paraphrase back to them and they they either confirm it or correct you, now you believe that. So this is kind of a back to back, you know, back and forth until you at the point that you have a kind of a clear understanding of their problem. I'm going to pause here. Anything you guys want to ask, Ed? Yeah, I like that because it's like honing it in, you know, with the bullet points. And then you can take that. And obviously, the more people you speak with, you can find the common thread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, And I mean, I feel like part of this conversation is also helping you to pull out marketing language as well, if you're yeah. paying attention to it, right? Um, yeah. Because the people are going to tell you what works for them on them because they're using their language. So you can then take that language and make it your own. If it yeah. obviously, if, if what they're saying to you aligns with the product. That's them. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Lisa, excellent. this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this is for the future, but you're absolutely right. If you can, can communicate to people, you know, message people using their own words, it will absolutely resonate for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I love it. So, right. so once we're validated, we're now going, at what point are we kind of offering up our solution and saying, well, here's my idea? Or Not yet. There's one more, there's one more cool step that I want to share with you. All right. This is called an ideal solution discovery. You basically um, ask them this question. If you had a magic wand, what would your solution to this problem look like? Right. Interesting question. Mm-hmm. All right. So you basically make them uh, be kind sounds of Sounds like creative. a coaching question there, Liz. It does. <laughs> it sounds like a coaching question <laughs> for all you coaches out there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. But so, you know, some people will feel incredibly uncomfortable with that. And so you need to wrap it up very quickly because, you know, they, they would feel that you're kind of pressuring them into, you know, being That's when you look for the body part. language. Exactly. See, like, uh, I don't uh, know. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you asking me that? Especially if it's a person in Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. But sometimes people would just give you some really in- interesting insights and don't be concerned about them all of a sudden coming up with an idea that is better than yours and running with this idea. Right. I mean, there's an ex- old exp- It's a separate topic, but there's an old expression. Don't get distracted by the shiny object, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the, I always get afraid of that myself. Is people taking my ideas? Because yeah. that has happened to me before. Yeah. That's why you got to get right. those patents, right, Alex? Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, the, the expression in the entrepreneurial world is is this: ideas are dime a dozen. It's all about execution, right? So yes. you know, so if you're a good entrepreneur. Right. Competition will just make you even better, right? Yeah. And, right, <laughs> and if you know, then plus you, you you've developed so much passion to your idea, so you'll run with it, and they just come up with something that they will probably forget it before you walk out of the room, even if it's mm-hmm. a Zoom room. All right. So that was a, a it's kind of an ideal ideal solution discovery. You ask them this open ended question, and then feel free to ask them more if you see that they're a really creative person. And who knows? Maybe you'll find your future co-founder like just like that, right? You never know. I thought you said maybe right. you'll find your future husband or wife. <laughs> uh, that's not maybe my area of expertise. Too. I'm taking a fix on it. And I don't think my wife would, would, would uh, love me talking about that. I, 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 I think I love my wife. Remember that movie? Yes. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think we should leave that there. Exactly. All right. So we're looking for, we, we're saying there's a potential co-founder to a business, right? Which is... Uh, in any case, so now we're almost done. We have three steps left. So now we can finally go. We've, itch, we've been itching to pitch to them, right? So now we can finally go into the space called solution validation, where you're basically sharing your solution. You're pitching your, your thing to them as, as a, sales, a salesperson you are. 
Remember, you pitch on benefits, not features. You know, benefit plus maybe motivator, you know, or not, and, and reason to believe, right? You talk to them about that, you pitch it to them very concisely and shortly, and you pause, you let it sink in, and you let them to start expressing their opinions. And people will go on and on. And so people's creativity are sparked much better if you give them something, um, if you feed them something in the beginning. So in a previous phase, when you ask them about an ideal solution to the problem, that's like, like you ask them in the middle of nowhere, right? They don't see any potential solution. But now when you've pitched your solution to them, create, it may actually spark their creativity because they will be building upon your solution and say, oh, but yeah, but it's great. And, and what you know, about you can this? Add this. Oh, yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. And this is very, very rewarding to both sides, by the way, but but especially to you, right? I mean, you can you and if, you know all these ideas are you know up to grabs, right? And so this is like a, 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 could could be a you know a, a springboard for, for for your solution, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you could enhance it up to this interview. You, All right. you know what? You know what, Alex? I think that that's really fascinating. I just I didn't go through all of those steps that you just outlined, but I have been toying around with. Uh, I guess I guess it's a a product a way to productize HR consulting that I've been thinking about, um, and I pitched it to a couple of people. It's for like really small small businesses that really just need HR every now and again, and like an idea that I've been toying with. And it was very interesting. What you just said, everything you just said is actually true. So I really just went to people I know who have small businesses. And I said, you know, mostly people I trust. So trust with the idea, number one, um, because I have the same concern (laughs) that Liz does, but you're absolutely right. It's all in the execution. Um, But people who I think would need my service, those are the people I targeted. And I talked them through this idea. And you're absolutely right. Everybody came back and said, oh, that's a great idea. I would pay for something like that, right? Um, Which is what you're after. Now, of course, I pressed pause on it because I've been so busy. I haven't been able to kind of put it together to execute. But I have validated the idea that it is actually a good idea and that it is something that somebody would pay for. And I also validated who my customers would be for that particular idea and who I need to target when I start to figure out who I'm marketing to. So we're going to talk about willingness to pay here, Lisa, which you brought up. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So it's a fallacy, unfortunately, that people will tell you about their willingness to pay. <laughs> let me let me walk you. You know, there's a whole bunch of cultural and emotional things here, but pretty what? much is this what goes. So um, if so, unfortunately, you know, it's it's been. Uh, a continuous failure to everybody who tried to do focus groups one-on-ones uh, and trying to understand how much people will pay, right? That that just simply does not work well. Unless there are there's kind of new solutions, uh, you know, uh, out there that I'm not familiar with, which is absolutely possible. I am not aware of anything that works. I will tell you why, right? So if, if like two extreme examples, somebody really likes your solution, what they will tell you, they will tell you a much lower price than they would be actually willing to pay because they want to sway you because they want to buy it and, and they want to buy it in cheap, right? And then, of course, uh, you know, I don't know how it's in New York. I'm not very much familiar with, with New York culture except of, you know, TV shows and so on. But uh, people don't like to come across as cheapsters. So if they, if they don't really care about your solution, they will tell you they will pay, you know, 2x or 10x or whatever. And it's notoriously unreliable. So mm-hmm. what would you do? For, you know, for a willingness to pay. Of course, it doesn't. I mean, it 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 uh, at the end you at the end of your interview, it's okay to ask these questions, right, about payment and how much it would be and so on. Uh, one one tip I can give you, if it's a, you know if it's a solution or a product, com- you know, c- competing with something existing, you can use that as a frame of reference. That would work. You would say, you know, a product A, you know, they charge fifty bucks for it, right? Mm-hmm. How much do you think? So, so now you know that my product right. has everything that product A has, but also it has this benefit. Remember, not feature benefit. You can say mm-hmm. quality features as well. <laughs> you know, it has this, right? How much do you think you would pay extra just for this? So that's actually much easier uh, because you, you put a, a framework around this. You've given them an anchor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one of, one of tactical tips here that I would recommend. But uh, fundamentally, the best way to, to test uh, willing, you know, willingness to pay and how much would they pay is through a landing page. 
quickly in a nutshell, because it's 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 a you know it's a topic for a separate podcast on its own. But basically, you you have nothing yet, right? You only have an idea. You don't have a website. You have nothing, right? So there are there are several landing page uh, uh, companies out there. I, I can actually name name them to you. Probably one of best known is called Unbounce. There are also Card with double R C A R R D. There's also lead pages. So these are um, so basically you can whip up pretty quickly a page, a web page using those builders. On that web page, you would put a, a description of your product, maybe some picture, some video, some of a mock-up, right? Something very quickly, and you would basically try to sell it to people online. You would spend, you know, on this whole exercise anywhere between you know low low hundreds to a thousand to a, to just under a thousand dollars, depending how many people you want to drive to this page. And when they now, I, what I'm saying is very much ethical, so I'm just making the statement up front because you know burned ones. <laughs> So what you do is you take people's credit card. You pretend to take people's credit cards, right? To, in order to take people's credit cards, you gotta have a product and you gotta have be uh, compliant, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, so because you, you, you you're neither, right? You pretend to take their credit card. You let them type their credit card, but you don't store it. And then once they hit enter, like purchase, not enter, purchase button, you you uh, create a nice pop up message. Thank you so much for interested in my product and my service. Unfortunately, it's not ready yet. Uh, we will notify you as soon as as we are ready. If you agree to share your email address, and, and so let people opt in. But that shows you, okay, somebody put their money where their mouth is. So that's kind right. of a strategy to to validating that part. All right, but now and build, and build a list for for a future when you actually launch, which is yeah, you can do that, well. but it's an expensive list, right? Because you have to drive people to your website. You have to pay somebody. And uh, you know you, you you would end up paying you know usually like some dollars per per uh, per lead, and that's why I'm saying you know you're gonna you're gonna spend you know between four hundred to thousand dollars roughly give or take on this whole exercise, which is pretty much could be throwaway money if you see that people are not willing to pay, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But then you will spend less, so that's good <laughs> because like you will see you will see significant traffic but no conversions. You can also A/B test, uh, so you guys know what A/B testing, right? Split test. So you can actually in those uh, landing page builders, they have a built-in A/B test. So you can create once you created your page, you split it into and you test one variable at a time. For example, you test your price and you see how, what the conversion is going to be with this price and versus that price, and then you can calculate yourself. You know the conversion is a little bit higher, but my profit margin is a little bit lower. You know for lower price, I'll stick with a right. higher price as an example. Does make right, sense? Right, right. Cool. Yeah. Make a lot All right. Of okay. So now we can go into the conclusion of the interview. Finally, I'm no, I don't mean our interview. I mean that interview. <laughs> well, we also right. got to get to the conclusion exactly. of the hours too. So, so. <laughs> so I'm going to move very quickly. So basically, at the conclusion of the interview, you ask them five questions, or any of those five. One is you ask him, "Hey, you know, it's been, of course, you thank them and everything, right? And you say, is there anything I should have asked but I didn't? Right? Is there anything I've missed?" So they can tell you, oh, yeah, actually, you know, so that's question number one. Second question is you want to find more customers for yourself, right, or, or potential customers, or at least interviewees. So you ask him, hey, do you know anyone else with this problem? And if you do, would you mind making an email introduction to them or whatever introduction? So that's the second question. Third question is you ask them to opt in. You say, hey, I so much enjoyed this conversation. Would it be okay if I keep you in the loop on my future developments? So when I'm ready, um, and then you also ask them, and by the way, would you be interested in being my my early user? Would you be interested in trying it out? Right? And finally, and then, of course, you ask them, like, may, may I email you if I have more questions or if I just a follow-up question pop up. So these are kind of a question that you ask them at the end. You thank them from the bottom of your heart, and then you, you jump to the very last thing, which is offline, right? You po- You stop your recording, by the way. That's important. Otherwise, you're going to have a very large file on your phone. All right. And so then, uh, you know, you basically go, so you can, from our website, it's, you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but we have a template for you. It's called Customer Discovery Template, where you can, it's a simple Excel uh, uh, spreadsheet. You can build yourself, no problem. You can download ours. It's free. Uh, it's called Productified's Customer Discovery Template, and you basically fill out all this thing that you learn from them in a concise way into, into this template. And the goal of this template is to help you figure out if there is a pattern, right? Because because you're so much in the weeds that you're interviewing one, two, three, four, 
in general, it's a great idea to do a few interviews, polls, you know, fill out the template and see if there's a partner merger. So the problem with that is that you're going to bias yourself <laughs> into a direction that may not be valid. So I would say, you know, try to make some progress before going to the template. But once you filled out the template, you know, what you want to do is basically you want to identify patterns, right? And, and, and then say, you know, so was my understanding of the customer's pain or the customer problem? Was my early hypothesis correct or incorrect? What was incorrect about this, you know, and, and so on. Anyways, and then, you know, make yourself a, basically a bullet point list of new learnings that will help you in constructive I mean, learning that will help you building a better product. That's that's fantastic. I swear to you, I learned so much in this conversation. This has been great. So Alex, just so, just maybe a sentence or two. What is the takeaway that you would like our audience and our listeners to have? Well, the takeaway is entrepreneurship is about trying, is about testing, right? So if you, even if you think that you have a best idea since sliced bread, so to speak, uh, it's an overused, overused expression, but I still use it, right? Uh, still, you, you need you need to to validate it with your customers. You know, if your mom or, or your spouse or your family tell you that you're fantastic, it's great. It means that you have your healthy, you know, mentally healthy individual. But it doesn't mean that people actually will buy it. Excellent advice. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Alex. And where can people find you? Well, so our company is called Productified. It's uh, EG at at the end. It's like product plus simplified. Productified Productified.com. And what we do is we turn inventors into entrepreneurs. We have a platform where people can find a the step-by-step guide of how to do things. And by the way, what I've shared with you today, it's, it's just a two chapters, or maybe three chapters from the guide. So the guide is incredibly simple. It, ha- it has short uh, chapters, and each chapter is an animated video. So you can, li- you can watch it, you can listen to this, or you can read the text, which is also available online. And then once you, once you, you understand this chapter, you just go and do it. So it's a step-action guide. It's not like you go to university and you spend a semester or a year to learn something. You, 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 you learn how to do it, you go do it, you come back, you, you learn the next step, and you do the next step. And uh, you also have a task list, uh, you have a great community, and uh, most importantly, we, for now, it's free, you know, for a limited time, we have a, a you know, bunch of idea development experts, such as myself, and you can reach out to us via video, audio, or a, te- or a message, a t- to type your message, and we will answer your questions for free, Again, it's only for a limited time. We're going to wrap it up in probably the next 90 days and start charging. Sounds great. I love it. What an excellent offering. And we'll also put that in the show notes. So um, great. So thank you so much again. And, and but most importantly, thanks for being our badass of the week. Well, thank Alex. you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. That's it for us this week. Remember, you can find anything we referenced in the episode in our show notes on our website, bossybrilliantbadass.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. It helps us get found. And thank you for listening. There'll be more Bossy Brilliant Badass next week. So until then, be be a badass. badass.